Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, I don't know if you know this yet, but no longer is it going to be May. It is May. Uh, It is May 1st as we record this. How are you? How's your May so far? Uh, So far, so good. So far, so good. It's been a good... So far, so good. I'm not getting those uh, six and seven figure bag deals, though, so... So it could be better, you could say. Could be, could be a lot better in that, in that case. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that that's a relevant, strange statement to uh, what we're going to talk <laughs> where, about tonight. Where do you get that from? Yeah, huh? what, uh, where's this coming from? Yeah, Mike, uh, we you know there were a couple of stories that have popped up in the last couple of days that really kind of caught our attention. Uh, it had the group chat blown up with you, me, and your brother-in-law, and number one podcast stand, Scott. Um, lots of opinions here about some of these stories. So let's, let's get into them. You know, we, we've talked a decent amount on this show in the last, really it's been close to 12 months, uh, since some of the name, image, and likeness rules went into play. Um, certainly over the last couple of years as the transfer portal has you know risen in prominence and the uh, one-time free transfer rule kind of has come about like we've, we've talked a good amount about these things, but Mike, there's been a couple stories that have come out in the last few days that have really, again, caught our attention, and we just, you know, kind of wanted to fire some takes off. So that's what this episode is about. Is that is that a fair uh, assessment? Yes. Yeah, we got our takes off here. And got our takes off here. Yeah, uh, and and that's the nice thing about having a podcast is sometimes you can just press the record button, and start firing off takes, and see how it goes. Um, the other thing is, you know, while we're here, it's again, it's May 1st. We are like about 24 hours removed from the end of the NFL draft. So we'll get into that here towards the end in terms of, you know, who got taken where, kind of what was interesting and uh, just general takeaways that we have from that. So stay tuned for that. Mike, my dad uh, texted me the other day um, and he, he forwarded me an article. He, you know, he's of the age where, you know, he, he does read the paper online sometimes and he will use like the proper share button on the article to send me emails with uh, you know a link to the article. And he sent me an article from Rick Bozich, I believe it was, who is a columnist for the uh, Louisville Courier Journal. And he was talking about uh, a, a a news story that had come out regarding Nigel Pack. Now, if you're not familiar with Nigel Pack, uh, he was a basketball player at Kansas State. Um, decent to good player. I think he averaged something like 17, 18 points a game, uh, you know, almost four rebounds, two assists, uh, you know, pretty decent shooter, uh, you know, 43% from three point range this year. Like, so pretty, you know, 
decent little player, but I say little player because he's literally six foot tall. Um, like he, he's a guy that's not like, he's not incredible. He's nothing, you know, totally out of line, but he's a solid basketball player, Mike. And he, uh, had announced that he was going to transfer into Miami from Kansas state. The thing that came along with that was almost immediately, uh, a, a booster, I guess for Miami, and that's probably not the right technical term, but let's just go with it. A booster for Miami named, uh, Adam Pappas of the next sports agency. Um, Sorry, no, hang on. Yeah, uh, yeah. Recently negotiated an NIL deal for Kansas State transfer Nigel Pack that included eight hundred thousand dollars over two years, plus a car. Pack was, was considered to be the number one player in the transfer portal before committing to Miami. The deal was funded by billionaire John Ruiz, who has been at the forefront of the NIL movement, orchestrating deals across several sports for the Miami Hurricanes in particular. And so Rick Bozic goes on this whole thing of like, again, this isn't LeBron James. This isn't Vince Carter. This isn't, you know, insert 1990s or 2000s era basketball star in the making. This is a decent player, but in a lot of ways, kind of just a guy. And this guy is getting 800 grand in a car for two years to to play, you know, and, and hopefully be a starter at Miami. Like, Really? And on some level, like, again, NIL compensation is supposed to be about using your likeness to draw attention to a product or a brand or something like that. Is this is that really $800,000 worth that he's going to get? And, Mike, there's another piece of this now that becomes relevant because this whole thing comes out about Nigel Pack getting $800,000 in a car for two years. When it then comes out a day or two later that Miami Hurricanes guard Isaiah Wong says he's going to enter the transfer portal on Friday if his NIL compensation isn't increased. Basically says something to the fact of, I'm a two-time All-ACC player. I was the second leading scorer on the team that met, that just reached the Elite Eight. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the leader, all this stuff. I should be getting more NIL money if this is what this guy is getting relative to what I'm getting. Mike, are you seeing a problem with this yet? Well, who is it that's going to determine the market worth, Right. That's a big, 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 big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, look, like we kind of distinguish between two things here, right? There's NIL and then there's pay for play, right? And those are really meant to be distinguished like separate things. Two different things like pay for play, pretty simple. If you come to USC... I'll give you a million dollars. That's pay for play. Mm-hmm. NIL is, oh, if you commit to USC, there could be opportunities for you to market your brand, get some sponsorships, local, you know, local car dealer, you know, has your, has you in a commercial or your name is, you know, on a bunch of, you know, t-shirts from a local consignment shop or whatever. That's NIL. That is marketing around a player. Not paying the player to come to school there, but marketing around the player. Those are two different things. Um, Pay for play is what got a lot of players in trouble in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Like Reggie Bush. Um, 
because of, you know, there was a whole autograph scandal. That was only like part of it, Reggie Bush, right? There was there was a house incentives. And... Right. There were incentives for him to come to USC that were not necessarily like NIL. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that was be- way before. And I mean, this, that, yeah, that's years ago. That's, you know, early 2000s. Right. So it, it's a weird, we're in a weird spot here with college football because we'll get into these stories in a second that are more recent, Joey, but there were two stories in particular um, over this past week where we're seeing a very troubling trend and something that you and I have hinted at and a lot of people who pay close attention to college football have hinted at potentially being a problem where you have the free transfer, you know, you one-time free transfer, um, wherever you want, you're eligible right away. Um, if you do it twice and you got to sit out a year unless you get a waiver from the NCAA, we all saw that as a good thing. I continue to see that as a good thing. I don't see why that should be an issue. You should be able to transfer out of a program, out of the situation you're in and transfer somewhere else mm-hmm. and be immediately eligible. I, I support that. I also support NIL. I, I think players should be paid for their name, image, and likeness. What I don't support is pay for play. Mm-hmm. And the issue now that we're running into here as college football fans is we are watching a college football free agency unfold. But it's not structured because there are no structures around. There's no structure really around the transfer portal. There's a date where you're not eligible for next season, right? If you don't enter by, it was actually today, May 1st, as we record this. If you didn't enter by May 1st, you're not eligible for the 2022 season, right? Mm -hmm. At your new school. Um, So there's that. But outside of that, you know, players can leave whenever they want. Um, they, they can transfer your new school, enter the portal, leave the portal whenever they want. Um, there's no real guidelines about NIL at all, which again, you got to be careful because players need to be able to make what they're worth on the open market. Right. So I, that's tricky, Yep. but it's a bad mixture right now where the NCAA never really prepared themselves adequately like the member schools school presidents etc um the ncaa as a body just never prepared for the nil era at all we saw it coming from a mile away we knew nil was coming for a decade plus we knew it was coming Mm -hmm. and players have always been paid by boosters that's something that's always happened under the table but what has not always happened is this era where you can transfer wherever you want and be immediately eligible, right? So we'll get into two stories in a second where that mixture is very bad. Yep. It's a very bad mix and you don't have any rules and regulations in place surrounding those two things. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly kind of what leads to situations like this is Isaiah Wong saying, I, I, uh, you know, I'm the leader of this team. I see what my teammates getting played, getting paid. I should be getting paid more. That's not how it works, man. Like, again, that's not the point of name, image, and likeness payments. Like the, the things that this is for is think back to like Todd Gurley years and years ago, getting suspended for signing, you know, autographing a few footballs for three or $400. That's a name, image, and likeness situation. 
Think back to what was it? He's like a punter or like a long snapper or something for UCF, I think, who was basically prepared to get banned by the NCAA from participating because he had a Twitch channel that he was trying to monetize or something like that, right? Like these, this is how NIL is supposed to be done is, you know, I got one. Yeah. I got one. How about the NCAA trying to suspend Trevor Lawrence and his then, his then fiance, now wife um, at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, there were the social justice movements, right? Mm -hmm. And they were trying to uh, raise money for it was two different things. They were trying to raise money for healthcare workers, and they were trying to do a fundraiser uh, for some social justice initiatives during the Black Lives Matter stuff in, in the middle of 2020, mm-hmm. right? So those are two separate things that Trevor Lawrence and his wife were um, starting fundraisers for. Mm-hmm. And the NCAA tried to strike both of those things down, saying that he couldn't be compensated, right? Not that Trevor Lawrence was even taking any of that money for himself. It, it, he wasn't. But the fact that he started the fundraisers could be a compensation issue, right? Yeah. These are the types of things NIL is is supposed to fix, right? So you don't need to worry about that anymore, right? Yep. And so everything's been asked backwards with NIL and thinking about it from the NCAA forever, mm-hmm. forever. It's been, they just, no foresight, zero foresight whatsoever. Yep. And I'm not saying the answers are easy because they're not, but- there was no thought put into it. So now it's just kind of like this wild, wild west. It's, it's a total mess right now. Yep. Um, interestingly, two of the other folks that are transferring into Miami who have benefited from some of the NIL uh, changes in the legislation, uh, Haley and Hannah Cavender, uh, women's basketball players from Fresno State who are transferring in to Miami. Uh, Mike, they are like Instagram slash like TikTok stars basically. Um, they have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. Um, again, that is how they get compensated, right? Is, is then being able to advertise products to their hundreds of thousands to millions of followers. You know, like this is, this is the point. It is not that they are like superstar basketball players. That's, you know, and those things are just not inherently related. Basically, it's not about how good you are at your sport. It's about how much people want to follow you and, and you know, that whole thing. So um, how, you know, a, a pair of, of twin athletes at the college level amass hundreds of thousands to millions of, of followers on Instagram or TikTok. Not the point, not my business could be anything. Use your imagination. But the, the point is, again, this is what it is. So we've got this Isaiah Wong thing at Miami, and it's especially fortunate for this podcast that this is these are both uh, ACC-relevant uh, issues. So Isaiah Wong at Miami basically saying, I'm a good player. I should be getting more money for from NIL. That's not the point. That misses it entirely. Uh, he might be putting his name in the transfer portal because then it, there was some firing back from, uh, what was it, John Ruiz about, like, I'm not renegotiating this deal. F- fine, whatever, interesting. Then, Mike, I think what really set both you and I off in particular um, and and really inspired us to record this episode is I believe it was was it Friday night, maybe that you texted me a link to a story that said Pittsburgh All-American wide receiver Jordan Addison, who won the Boletnikoff Award as the the country's top wide receiver in 2021, is considering transferring to USC. 
Now this is this is rumored. There there have been no confirmations on it. So start here. This is take all this with a grain of salt. This is all a rumor, uh, reports, sources, these kinds of things. Nobody has come out and said anything. But the idea is here that apparently Jordan Addison is considering transferring to USC now. And and again, like you said, it's you know you got to be in the portal by May first if you're going to be eligible for the upcoming season. That that doesn't mean he's not in the portal yet. Right? It just might mean that. Reporters haven't gotten it yet, there, right? Yeah. So he could very well be in the portal at this point, as we sit here recording. And of course, naturally, we'll release this podcast tomorrow and the news will come out. So as right. we sit here recording, there's been no news either way to indicate if Addison's in the portal or not. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it, again, he might be. We don't know. It hasn't been reported that he is or anything like that. But there was there were multiple uh, implications basically that he had been offered some very large NIL deal to come to USC. And then there was some speculation or some reply somewhere. It's like, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not considering transferring to USC for NIL deal. That has nothing to do with it. It's just purely for professional development and growth as I prepare to go to the NFL, you know, when I'm eligible after the following season, you know, all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. Mike, this is some of the biggest nonsense I have ever seen in terms of how this is all supposed to go. And I think is a peak example of how broken this system is right now in terms of how little uh, uh, legislation or, or restrictions there are around it. There's no structure. There's no rules. There's no real governance or enforcement on any of this. No governance. None. If you have kids in the car, maybe turn the radio down because I'm... You know what? Again, the nice thing about having a podcast is you can kind of just say whatever you want. But I'm going to give you a second uh-huh. here. Turn the radio down. Maybe uh, use some language here. Like this is bullshit. This is absolute utter bullshit. Like that we are at this point now where in deep into April, coming off of spring practice, the guy who won the Boletnikov Award and probably would have been like a first round pick this year if eligible is saying. I'm thinking I'm about maybe transferring to USC for professional development, you know, getting ready for the, for the NFL, dude, you don't need anything to get ready for the NFL. It's very clear why you would be interested in transferring for USC. By the way, there has been no indication up until now that you're actually in the transfer portal. So there really shouldn't be any sort of, uh, of negotiations or, uh, contact allowed that's tampering. So if you're just being offered stuff to transfer somewhere when you're not in the portal to begin with, that is breaking so many (laughs) supposed rules of this system that very clearly like can't be enforced. It's bullshit, dude. It's nonsense. It's bullshit. And it, it makes me really angry to see this happen. And I think it says something, Mike. It makes you and I angry seeing this happen. We're not even particularly pit fans. This no, doesn't even no. directly affect us. And yet, like, no. we can just kind of see how it impacts pit fans and, and others, you know, potentially around the country. Yeah, I mean, eat shit pit, all that. <laughs> um, the Pete Thamel tweet from Friday night, Pete Thamel ESPN, if mm-hmm. you don't follow him on social media, I mean, he is the college football reporter. He's college football's Adam Schefter. For um, ESPN. For ESPN, formerly Yahoo, now ESPN. He's no Brett Brett McMurphy, but ESPN doesn't have him anymore, so hey. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Our our own Brett McMurphy, after he had left over like two years before. That's right. Pit wide receiver Jordan Addison, who won the Bolitnikoff Award as the country's best wide receiver, is strongly considering transferring from Pitt. He's yet to appear in the NCAA transfer portal, but his transfer looms as a strong expectation. USC is a top potential destination. Joey, I have a question. Mm -hmm. 
if he's not in the transfer portal yet, how is USC a top destination already? Uh, pass. So, I'm taking the fifth. Yeah. Yeah. So point being, the how it's supposed to work is when you enter the transfer portal, that is the first time that a coach is supposed to see that you're in there. Mm-hmm. Right, that you're in the portal and you're available looking for a new school. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be the first time a school sees that. In theory, there's no other way that they would know that you are, you know, entertaining the idea of maybe leaving your current school, forgoing your scholarship there and seeking one elsewhere. There's theoretically, there's no way that they would know that that's the case. And the next tweet by Pete really irritated me, and I don't think I don't think he meant to. Or maybe he did. It seems like he was kind of caping for USC a little bit here. He says, Jordan Addison is from Frederick, Maryland. Caleb Williams, formerly of Oklahoma, now at USC as a quarterback, is also from the D.C. area. There's ties from the DMV relationship that could help Addison end up at USC. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. That is... Pete Thamel is one of the top college football reporters in the sport. He knows full and well that this isn't because the, the transfer, the, the transfer of Addison from Pittsburgh to USC, USC being a top potential destination, isn't because he might know Caleb Williams or he's friends with Caleb Williams because they're, they're both from the D.C. metro area. We know that's not what this is about. Uh-huh. That's not what this is about. If they wanted to play so, so you know, together so badly, why didn't Caleb come to Pitt? In fact, ESPN didn't report on the NIL at all. They actually almost entirely swept it under the rug, mm-hmm. which was interesting to me. So Pat Narduzzi, of course, gets real mad at USC, calls up Lincoln Riley. That's a big part of the story. We can't overlook, Joey. Mm-hmm. Pat Narduzzi calls up Lincoln Riley to express his displeasure. I put that in quotes. He's <laughs> fucking pissed. He's mad. Right? He's real mad. Um, he calls up Lincoln Riley because he believes USC has been tampering, right? Which... Again, like we mentioned, the first time that a school is supposed to see that you're open to transferring is when your name is in the portal, mm-hmm. right? We know the griminess of college football. We know what's what's taking place here. But what bothered me, too, is in this article from ESPN, they're talking about all the NIL stuff kind of in an umbrella. You know what ESPN says? They said, well, the source said that Addison isn't looking for an NIL deal. Any move would be tied to his professional development. Right. LOL. Okay. LOL. It's a source close to Jordan Addison. Of course, he's not going to see that because yeah. USC was tampering. Like, of course. Of course. What, what's he going to say? Oh, yeah, it's tied to NIL. He can't say that. He implicates mm-hmm. himself. Yeah, he implicates himself. He implicates the people he's going to play for, like all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and by the way, the whole like, you know, you can tamper with players by, you know, well, I recruited him three years ago. I've still got his high school coach's phone number in my cell phone. I can text the coach, you know, from high school or the handler or the seven on seven coach or whoever the hell I can text that guy and say, Hey, have you heard from Jordan Addison recently? Is he looking to maybe move on to USC for a large NIL deal? Just hypothetically, that's like the worst kept secret in, all of college football, right? Like right. that's it. We all act that's like what's it's been going on for years. You, you know, you can't really prove it. And I don't know if it, it's something you could really legitimately get in trouble for, but it happens everywhere. And it is, it is the definition of tampering. And yet you kind of just can automatically get away with it. 
Addison is one of the top returning players in the sport for the 2022 season, and his potential transfer comes at a time when one-time transfer rules and name, image, and likeness legislation have brought unprecedented roster fluidity to the sport, which is mm-hmm. what we're talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. Pete Thamel knows that it has nothing to do with the Caleb Williams relationship. He knows that Jordan Addison and the source close to Jordan Addison was probably his fucking dad. It's probably his dad. So I'm, I get real near. I'm sorry. I get really angry about this. Probably like his dad or his brother, Addison himself, a, a source close to Addison. They're not going to tell the truth about this. By the way, how fantastic is that phrase? Unprecedented roster fluidity. Like, good Lord. You're, we're talking about free agency here, bro. Like, that's just call it what it is. Like, unprecedented it's, roster fluidity. Give me a break. It's crazy. It, it makes me mad. And so I feel like, and Pamel's a great reporter, and I follow him, and I, I read all the stuff. But, like, I, I look at that, and I think, you know what? He's caping a little bit for Addison and USC and for yeah. college football. And we can go down the whole media rights stuff. We know kind of where ESPN stands in the hierarchy with media rights for the college football playoff and how they benefit from, like, four or five teams, the same four or five teams making the playoff every year. You know, we can talk about that at length. Oh, the but better they get, the more interesting those games are, the more viewers they get, the more advertising money they get. Like, Because we're all still going to watch those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's... I, it just gets to a point where it's like, where is this kind of going to go from here? I guess that's the next question. Yeah. There are, there are so many angles to this thing, particularly surrounding this Jordan Addison story that absolutely drive me insane. And, and it's... It's this idea that, again, there are, you know, 5, 10, 12, I don't know, maybe, maybe 15 programs in the country that are purely just going get, to get propped up. And I texted you this, Mike, the other night. If you really start sitting back and thinking about it and you look at this, this you know, transfer portal plus, um, plus one-time free transfer plus uh, NIL payments system. Right. Plus just the insane ease of tampering and and lack of real policing of it in college football. Right. What you basically end up with is an NFL where there is no salary cap. Uh, players get an automatic opt-out after every season out of their contract. And there's no tampering rules. Right. So at any given point, the richest teams can just reach out to players on other rosters and just say, hey, I could probably pay you more. You want to come play for me? And then at that point, right. you have no real parity at all. And I get that, again, college football is not a sport that historically has had like a ton of parity relatively. Like I get that. The same programs are relatively on top all the time. But it really does feel like in the last five, eight, ten years, like college football playoff era. The college football playoff era, that this talent has more and more and more concentrated into these top programs to where, again, the first year that Kirby was at Georgia, Georgia Tech beat him at Sanford Stadium. And now I'm like right. legitimately like I not even like hot take guy at all. Just like, will Georgia Tech ever beat Georgia again? Because Georgia and yeah. Georgia is recruiting at such an insane over the top level that like Georgia Tech they doesn't just have a, 15 they just had 15 players taken in the NFL draft and yeah there's more where that came from yeah there's more coming and it's like how does Georgia Tech compete with that you know it took Alabama with with multiple of their draft eligible guys 
uh, you know, to, to take them down and, and that kind of thing. Like, is this fun? Like, is this college football legitimately felt more fun 15 years ago because yeah, like, you know, some of these teams are, are superpowers, you know, look at like the, again, you mentioned Reggie Bush back in you know the day, like Reggie Bush, USC, like they had some real star power there, like a lot of it. But then West Virginia had Pat White, Steve Slayton, Noel Devine, like Louisville had Brian Brom and Mario Urrutia and, and, you know, Harry Douglas, some of these guys, like, these a lot of these teams still had guys that were really good players and they could keep them around for three or four years and win some games, you know, pull upsets, that kind of thing. You don't get that anymore. Jordan Tech had no. Jameer Gibbs for two years and now he turns around and goes to Alabama. Right. Where's the, what, you know, like, and, and again, the more that I think about this, who's the victim here, Mike? If, if Jordan Addison leaves Pittsburgh, transfers to USC for this big NIL deal, goes and wins another Boletnikoff, you know, becomes a first-round draft pick, whatever that he was probably already going to be. Anyways, who, who's the victim here? It's not Jordan Addison. The fans. It's the fans. Yeah, it's not Jordan Addison. It's not Lincoln Riley in USC. It's Honestly, it's not even Pat Narduzzi in Pittsburgh. No. Pat Narduzzi no. is getting millions and millions of dollars. And even if he gets fired... He'll still get millions of dollars, so that's fine. Great buyout. Yep. It, it, yeah, if this is as bad as it gets for Pat Narduzzi, he's still doing just fine. Mike, the victim is you and me. It's the fan. Like it's it's fans of people, you know, fans of teams that are not these top eight, twelve, however many programs that can't afford this stuff. We don't have some billionaire booster sitting around with crypto money just trying to hand it out left and right to whoever seems like the hot name at the time, like. That's the thing that sucks coming to terms with that is that your team, my team, if nothing changes, like we're hoping for like one good season out of somebody on our, our team's roster before they're inevitably going to transfer to one of these like 12 super mega programs. That's awful. It, it sucks. It's not what college football has, has been historically as inequitable as the sport has always been. It is putting the whole thing into overdrive. If that's the road we're going down. Yeah, and I mean the here's the thing too, like the parts of it that we saw coming were like Oklahoma and Texas were like, all right, we've got to strategically align ourselves with some of these powers in college football if we're gonna be able to keep up. Like we gotta be in the same conference. And you know, Oklahoma and Texas tries to make that move to the SEC. Why did they do that? Money. Right? When a team from the SEC wins a national championship, you know who that benefits, Joey? It benefits the entire conference. Mm -hmm. It benefits everybody in the conference when a conference team wins a national title. Ask yeah. Clemson. It benefited all the ACC schools. Um, mm -hmm. There is money that's allocated to other schools based on bowl performance, bowl appearances. Like when you win a national title, it changes everything. And there were several reasons why Oklahoma and Texas end up in the SEC. They're like on their way there, obviously. But they saw this shift and Oklahoma and Texas are too. Texas has been down for a while. Right. But relative to the last 25, 30 years in college football, Oklahoma and Texas are powerhouse sport mm -hmm. from a, you know, from a historic perspective, these are two really important programs, college football. And they are trying to align themselves with the Georgia's Florida's Alabama's of the world. Mm -hmm. Why money. And We've seen realignment before, right? And, you know, we see 
kind of where the landscape of the sport is headed. And I think the issue, the, the transfer portal, being able to transfer somewhere and be eligible immediately is not an issue. You should be able to do that. Um, coaches can do it. They get paid millions of dollars. You know? yeah. They're able to go to a new school, be eligible right away. And and this is but, important, Mike. Like what you're saying is is important. We we believe in this. You should be able to transfer easily. Any student right. from any school can do that as long as your right. credits transfer. Like, Right. Um, should be able to do that. You should be able to make money off of your name, image, and likeness. Mm-hmm. That's but just American. College football, but, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But college football is in such a weird, weird spot right now. There's so much money involved in it that you have coaches leaving potential playoff teams to go coach elsewhere because they're going to be paid infinitely, infinitely more than they are at their current school. Look at Brian Kelly, right? Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame like a few days before they're figuring out if they're going to be in the college football playoff. Now we understand they weren't, they lost to Oklahoma State in the bowl game, all that. Um, It was on the table. Like it was squarely on the table at the time that he walked away. Right. But it was on the table. Um, he actually said in his weird exit speech, like, I hope you guys make the playoff. You deserve it, whatever. And then he was off to LSU where he's making like $90 million or whatever it is. Um, there's so much money involved now that the coaches don't even care. Yeah. It's just different now. Yep. Um, and, and I think what's problematic too is like we don't know really where this is at. I mean, mm-hmm. we can all, we can, we can, we can sit here and talk about, oh, this is where we think it's going. Oh, we think it's going to be just like giant super conference in the SEC and the rest of college football just kind of kind of be their own entity. And we can talk about what that is, but like there needs to be some sort of resolution where mm-hmm. the member schools kind of get a hold of the transfer portal and the NIL and all of this under one umbrella, and they try to figure out a way to have this make sense for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know what the answer is. That's the problem, right? So I can sit here and bitch and moan and complain, but like, I don't necessarily know what the answer is either openly. Um, yeah. But, but I know that it's not supposed to look like this. I mean, you're, you're in a spot right now where players can freely go wherever they want, as long as they haven't transferred before. And now you can pay players and under the guise of NIL, you can get them to come to your school and pay for play schemes. That's what USC is doing with Jordan Addison. That's what it is. Yeah. So, you know, where does it end and what are reasonable regulations? I mean, you want players to be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. You also want players to be able to enter the transfer portal and then be immediately eligible if they want. So like, what's the fix? And ironically, Joey, Dabo was right. Everybody gave Dabo Swinney hell, right? When he was talking about how there needed to be kind of some bumpers on the transfer portal because Mm -hmm. he could kind of see that things were going to get a little bit hairy where like players can be on your team one week and at a rival school the next with no repercussions. Everybody killed him for that, Joey. That wasn't that long. That was that before the start of last season when we made that quote officially? Something like that. that Yeah, probably. And it's easy to forget that this has only been going on for like <laughs> the, the, the NIL stuff again is less than a year old. Oh yeah. And Dabble got killed for that. Mm-hmm. And we made fun of them too. 
but he was right. He was right. Yep. Yep. And again, I, I don't know what the fix is, but like you've heard other coaches, Nick Saban's mentioning it now. Yeah. Nick Saban, who's by the way, Bryce Young, he's a million dollar quarterback at Alabama. Yeah. He's he's secure in the bag. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bryce Young's making plenty of money. That's his quarterback. Saban knows he's a stud, won the Heisman Trophy, right? And led Alabama to the national title game. And we know he's a great player. He's going to be one of the top quarterbacks off the board next year. And Saban's saying that it's an issue. They got to try to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So the big, I, I think where this is going to change, Joey, is when you get a bunch of the top coaches in the sport kind of all pull in the same direction. Ironically, Lincoln Riley complained about this when he got right when he got to USC. He complained about this. He was he was talking about the transfer portal and concerns about roster management and how to how to manage a roster in this new era with NIL and players leaving and stuff like that. Ironically, he complained about that. Yet now Jordan Addison is rumored to come to his school for a huge payday. Pete Thamel reporting that USC is a top destination when Addison hasn't even entered the portal yet. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that Lincoln Riley was the trigger man, right? Mm-hmm. It, it could be a booster. It could be somebody, oh, do you know a guy who knows a guy like you were mentioning earlier? But like Lincoln Riley could stand to benefit from getting one of the top receivers in the country in year one, you know, as he tries to establish, reestablish USC as a powerhouse in the Pac-12. It would go a long way, but wouldn't compl- it? it? It would, but he's complained about this too recently like within the last four months so these coaches are kind of having their cake and eating it too right now because they're like you know what nothing's stopping me let's go get let's go get him yeah let's go get addison let's let's go let's go pay bryce young and and make sure he's you know coming through the door let's you know and i don't blame the coaches joey i don't blame the players there are no rules so you can blame the governance structure. Like if you want to blame that, anybody, it's, it's, and, and, we've and created this fair, wild, wild west of a, of a sport in a world. And it just is, again, it is designed to benefit the rich. And to be fair, at least from what I've seen on social media, the reaction to the Jordan Addison thing, you know, people are frustrated, not with Jordan Addison. Some people are angry at Lincoln Riley, but most people are just angry at the NCAA. Mm-hmm. And, and the and the school presidents for not figuring this out years ago, and yep. and that's where the, you know, that's where that's where the pitchforks are headed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're all mad at they're they're mad at the NCAA. One other thing, just for, just for context here, by the way, you mentioned Bryce Young being the million dollar quarterback. We mentioned Nigel Pack being the eight hundred thousand dollar point guard coming to Miami. Uh, Mike, how many Instagram followers would you guess that Nigel Pack has? Uh, 45,000. Mike, he has, uh, 8,500. He has less than 10,000 followers. Bryce Young has 201,000 followers. I was going to say, college football a little bit different. Go look at Twitter. Nigel Pack has 4,800 followers. Like, the level of impressions, and by the way, if you go look at Bryce Young's Instagram over the last six months, he's made three posts or four posts, really two for Logan's roadhouse, one for subway, another one for cash app. Like he is using his 201 followers to create impressions 
for those brands thereby using his name, image, and likeness to validate yep. hit that value, right? Like all that stuff. We're going to sit here and act like whatever crypto bro company nonsense that is endorsing Nigel Pack is getting $800,000 worth of value off less than 10,000 right. followers. Right. Give me a break. Yeah. Mike, I have an idea of something that might might at least kind of put some some guardrails around this whole thing um, and kind of simplify a little bit. Okay. We are going to talk about that in just a second. Before we do, we got to remind the people about section103.com because your boy is a consummate professional and, and does not forget about these things. Section103.com, it is the internet's premium Georgia Tech apparel. It is the easiest place to go find great-looking apparel to support Georgia Tech. Uh, we have told you guys about them all the time. Uh, they, they've been talking a lot recently. You know, it's it, it's graduation season, Mike. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, we've got a lot of people kind of graduating from college into the new, uh, new world, I guess, uh, the professional world. Don't recommend it. Stay in college as long as you can. That's way more fun. But if you are graduating and you want to kind of stay supporting your alma mater or someone else's even, go to section103.com. They have t-shirts. They have v-necks. They've got sweatshirts, hoodies, all sorts of great things. They've got shirts with the uh, Tech Gold, the ATL logo. Uh, they've got all the official word marks, everything. For whatever reason, these things tend to be pretty tough to find for Georgia Tech in particular or elsewhere on the internet. They are not tough to find on section103.com, and they are very, uh, very comfortable shirts. They look great. Cannot recommend them enough. Mike, use promo code GOACC at section103.com for 10% off of your first order. Again, for all the grads in your life, for all the tech fans in your life, even for just people that just need a nice soft shirt or something to work out in. Mike, you're not even a Georgia Tech guy. You love your, your section103.com, where I do as well. I am I a do. Georgia Tech guy, but that, you know, so that helps. But um, yeah, performance wear, cotton t-shirts and sweatshirts, all that stuff. All of it's great. Again, section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Mike, that's how you use your followers to generate NIL money. <laughs> We're also sponsored by BetUS, where we generate zero money. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Not we generate zero dollars. We are a uh, we are a good partner for uh, advertising until we're they not. don't pay you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, until until you do nothing, you know, you don't keep up your end of the bargain. Anyways, uh, shout out to section one hundred three com and Stephen. They do keep up their end of the bargain, both in you know our our partnership here as well as just like creating outstanding uh, products. So go go yes. check them out. Mike, I have an idea for maybe putting a couple of guardrails on it. And I, I've told you, I think it's it's probably an oversimplification and it, it's a little dangerous, but would it would it improve the situation if we put a cap on the number of transfers that a team was allowed to take in in the given offseason? If I said that Virginia Tech is only allowed to take five transfers every offseason, that's it. Doesn't matter how many you lose. Doesn't matter. You know, it's you still got the eighty-five scholarship cap, like all that. If you limit the number of transfers that any given team can take in, call it five, call it three, call it eight. I don't know. But if you limit that, then at least you you are putting limits on the amount of activity getting out of the portal that you can have across the country, and maybe you are limiting the likelihood that these things are going to happen, and you're limiting people's in, you know, interest in jumping into the transfer portal. 
I like the idea. There is a flaw, though. I'm confident there is. You are now putting a premium on those four or five spots mm-hmm. that a team has to take a transfer in. Mm-hmm. And you might be inadvertently now putting more funds into those five high-profile transfers' pockets at the bigger schools. But at some degree, you can't really control that. And, and, and I don't think my intent with that idea or that <laughs> suggestion is to get the money under control as much. It's more to try to limit these instances of, of these things happening. You know, if there's, if you're only able to take in four or five transfers every off season, you do have to be really picky and, and particular about where you're doing this. And it doesn't become this giant open free agent system that it seems to be right now of, of people just transferring every which way. Like if I look at, if I look at USC's transfers, not including Jordan Addison. Uh, they received a transfer from Arizona State, a transfer from Ohio State, a transfer from Auburn, a transfer from Alabama, a transfer from Stanford, Oklahoma, Colorado, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Colorado, Washington. That's a lot of transferring, dude. Like, you don't, that, that's not good. It's not good for the players. It's not good for the sport. Like, well, we're also seeing instances, too, where, like, kids are entering the transfer portal because they don't like their current situation, but then they can't really find a good spot elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So now they're just in the portal. And that's the thing, too, to, to <laughs> Which, think about is, is putting putting some restrictions, some rules and stuff around when can you enter, enter the transfer portal, when can you exit the transfer portal, things like that. Some of that, like, inherently should be designed to help protect kids from themselves. You right. had a bad practice, got chewed out by the coach, going to go enter the transfer portal. Hold on. Like, think about what you're doing and, and what the potential consequences are rather than just being kind of heated after you got chewed out by your coach. Right. Right. Because um, right now, it's just like thousands of players in there. Probably a decent amount of them think they're a lot better than they actually are. Right. And they end up at schools they probably didn't envision themselves ending up at and kind of overplayed their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, to your point, you do need to protect kids from themselves a little bit. But are you really allowing true freedom of movement if you're limiting the amount of players you can bring into a school? I think it fixes the problem. But I think that's going to be what the detractors would say about that. It's, well, you're still kind of screwing the kids. If if you make that the rule and, and everybody's aware of that, mm-hmm. the kids are included in who's aware of that. And you got to know, like there's a, there's a, you don't even have to be good at math to look in and say, you know, pull up the calculator app on your computer and say, oh, there's five transfers allowed per school at the FBS level. There's 130 FBS schools, or even there's 66 power five schools and Notre Dame, or maybe like 70 now, the big 12 expanding. I don't know. Anyways. Um, you know, there, there's only so many spots that you have to land in and you can see how many are already in the portal, you know, numbers like that. It's, we can, we can all be adults and we can make it, we can make decisions for ourselves, but at the same time, you know, it's make sure that that's a well thought out, you know, planned decision and not like an emotional thing that ends up, you know, 
causing ripple effects probably for a, a good amount of the rest of your life if if you don't end up getting a scholarship at a high level program again. Well, that's the thing too. Like we can say, oh, you can only take in five transfers, but like really, shouldn't you just, in theory, be lowering the amount of scholarship players you can take in? Because like those transfers count in as players who are, you know, it counts towards your scholarship count. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, are, are you saying, okay, less than 85 scholarships? Because, I mean, players graduate and stuff like that, and that's always in flux. But, like, we see it on the recruiting trail all the time. You know, we got offers, but is it a committable offer or not? Well, yeah, you can commit to us if this kid doesn't come here. Yeah. Like, that's what happens in recruiting. That's what happens, I'm sure, in the transfer portal as well. Um that part of the sport is not necessarily going to change, but like, if you look at it from that standpoint, Joey, you know, say you got like, I mean, 85 scholarships, let's just make it easy. Right. Let's say, all right, 10 kids graduate. You have, you know, 75 scholarship players, you have 10 open scholarships. Right. And Mm -hmm. let's say this is again, very, I'm just doing this on the basis of simplicity. I know this is not how it works because there are a lot more, scholarships given out to kids who are freshmen. I get that. Yeah. Um, but say there were like, okay, you have 10 open scholarship spots. Okay. Five can go to recruits and another five can go to the portal. Right. Is that basically what you're saying? We're like, you can only take in five transfers. So how do you fill out the rest of the roster? Just recruits. Yeah. Like there, there are still high school football players out there. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, and right. again, kind of what you're alluding to is that the whole like 25 new player restriction that we currently live by in theory, mm-hmm. there, and there's all sorts of things you can do to, you know, manipulate that. You think the, the, uh, you think the NFL salary cap is maybe kind of fake 25 yeah. new players for college team is extra kind of fake. Anyways. Yeah. USC is yeah. bringing in 13 transfers this year. How many schools are bringing in transfers that are a net neutral college scholarship? but that are reducing the number of scholarships that can go to high school players. Right. Like, so that's one of the benefits too. If you limit, if you limit transfers, you can, you, you can make sure you're maintaining the number of scholarships going to new guys coming in from high school. So I, I think there's some benefit to that at the very least, but I don't know. Just, it was just a thought and it's, it's not the worst idea I've heard. It's, it's very half baked, Mike, um, quarter baked might even be giving it a lot of credit. Um, but it's, I don't know, there, there has to be something that changes here. Has to be. Otherwise, again, it just kind of continues to encourage um, absolute anarchy. And, I mean, it, you want to talk about killing interest in a sport? Like, right. When we're in October, and, again, October of 2021, and you're watching Jameer Gibbs work on putting up 1,000 yards for Georgia Tech, and the conversation immediately turns to, wonder who he'll be playing for next year. Dude, you will drive yeah. people away from this sport in droves if you real if you're just if it's so blatantly obvious that nobody can have nice things if you're not one of those twelve top programs like that's yeah it's gross it's frustrating and it's something's got it's going to happen it has to it has to I mean people are just gonna get bored of it mm-hmm. which 
you know, I, I know people are like, oh, I'm not watching college football. I mean, well, yeah, okay, we'll see you in the fall. You know, mm-hmm. you'll be watching just like the rest of us. I'll be watching. You'll be watching. Mm-hmm. But there, we're going to start to see a drop in some of the games that used to matter. There's going to be a drop in viewership, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, the Iron Bowl. Like less people are going to be now. I, I get less people watching now because Auburn sucks. But like, for example, less people are going to watch the Iron Bowl, you know, when Auburn's good. That game went to overtime um, last year, Mike. <laughs> Auburn's better than we thought, huh? Barely, somehow. Yeah, they're, they're so good. Their quarterback transferred out. He's playing quarterback at Oregon. I don't know um, what the rules say about the black magic that's very clearly in play at Jordan-Hare Stadium. But <laughs> that game always gets very sideways when they play it there. <laughs> it, yes. Shout out Chris Davis. And, <laughs> Not the one who strikes out a hundred times a year for the Orioles and has been retired for three years now. Three hundred um, times a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's nothing but strikeout. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Something's gonna have to change though, because I think we're gonna get to the point where everybody and you're already seeing the fatigue with some casual college football fans that are like, I don't really care about the playoff. It's like you don't care about. You don't care about the game that decides who goes to the national championship. Why not? It shouldn't be that way. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's already fatigue with that. Um, you know, people were killing Notre Dame when Notre Dame would get in and lose by a couple scores, right? And everybody would kill, oh, I'm so sick of seeing Notre Dame in that game. Let's get Cincinnati in there. Cincinnati kind of did the same thing. Everybody talks about, oh, you know, semifinal games are all already blowouts. Well, you know, why don't we go back to BCS? And I'm like, this is this is a circle. Yeah. This is literally a circle. And now everybody's getting paid and there's transfers and now there's tampering and it's just different. It's stuff's different now. Maybe it would be better if we just didn't play a national title game and we just all voted on who we think would be the national who who's the best team. Maybe that's the way we should do it. Oh, <laughs> you mean how they did it in the nineties? <laughs> Yeah. Again, a circle. The 1890s. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, that's weird. Notre Dame losing to Boston College in November cost them a national championship. Because <laughs> you know what the national championship was back then? Were you number one in the poll after the last game of the season? You know, mm-hmm. were you number one in the poll after you know the regular season, the bowl game? You know, the bowl games. You know, what, what was your ranking? That, that's how the national championship was determined. Mm-hmm. You know, pre BCS, just different. Yeah. Yep, Mike. It's uh, you know, there, there's aspects of this sport we love it to death. Like, we we spend time, you know, our own time regularly, kind of coming in here and talking about it. We, you know, it, this isn't the most lucrative business to be in of, uh, you know, podcasting where we have our <laughs> day jobs, but we nah. do it because we love it. You know, we, we love the sport. We love the teams. Uh, you know, there's, there's so much excitement and all that stuff, but there is definitely aspects to it that are increasingly irritating and kind of turnoffs over the years. Um, I, I hope that something gets reversed and we can at least, you know, rein it in a little bit. If not, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah. Um, Yep, but don't know how many problems we're going to be able to solve tonight. Um, although I will confirm that Chris Davis struck out 219 times in the 2016 season while also hitting 38 home runs on the year. So the more you know, I'm done. <laughs> the more That's you know. literally, 
Chris Davis and Adam Dunn are the same player. My favorite baseball stat that I think I've I've ever come across was as a rookie. I think it was 2016 or thereabouts. Joey Gallo finished the season with 41 home runs out of 94 base hits. <laughs> he had more home runs than singles as a, as a rookie. I think it was <laughs> amazing. He just came up and started hitting tanks. Fantastic, uh, Mike. Let's move on. Let's hit the NFL draft real quick. I've got the numbers in front of me. Spoiler alert: If you are not a, uh, if you did not follow it all that closely, and, and Mike, for his uh, his other day job, had to, and God bless him, because, um, hmm. uh, <laughs> the ACC had a grand total of like twenty one players picked in the draft out of two sixty two. That's not great. It's not up to what it has been. But then again, I mean, that's that's pretty much in line or better than what everyone else had taken other than the SEC and the Big Ten. Um, The SEC looks like they had about 100 players taken. The Big Ten, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page, guessing they had like 50 players taken. Everyone else pretty much topped out in the 20 to 25 range. Um, Georgia. Georgia had 15 by themselves. So Georgia's making making their way to the entire ACC amount with mm-hmm. just their class, which gives you an idea of kind of where the SEC stood in all this. Let me tell you how excited I am for Falcons' seventh-round pick, John Fitzpatrick from the tight end from Georgia. Like, dude, that's a throwaway. That guy's not going to play in the league. Like, come on. Anyways. No, can't really, can't really block. <laughs> can't. I know. What, what was the point of that? Anyways, um, the ACC, of you know, for only having 21 picks – I mean, four of them in the first round uh, had five more in the second through fourth round. So some pretty decent high-end players. Um, Iki Aquanu, the offensive tackle out of NC State, goes sixth overall to the Panthers. I believe, was he the second offensive lineman off the board or the first? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, so he was the first offensive lineman off the board. Yeah, so that's, that's real good. Good for him and NC State. Um, him and then Evan Neal went back to back. Okay, yeah, yeah. Neal was seven to the Giants. Um, yep. Zion Johnson, guard out of Boston College, he might have been the first guard off the board. He goes to the Chargers at seventeen. That was a little bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, um, really good player for the Eagles. Yeah. Yep. The ACC actually did pretty well in the first round, mm-hmm. and then it's pretty quiet after that for a bit. It was real quiet. <laughs> but um, they did pretty well in the first round. Yeah, like you mentioned, Juanu at six. Uh, Zion Johnson at 17. Kenny Pickett, of course, staying on the grounds there. Pittsburgh uh, going to the Steelers at 20. The coolest pick of the draft by far. I was going to say, you think he's going to have to adjust like any of the uh, you know the, the the sight lines or anything as he tries to throw passes there at Heinz Field? Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be pretty pretty crazy when he just lives in the same place he's lived in for the last five years. <laughs> Except now he's got millions of dollars. Um like, yeah, that, did that you was... not listen to the conversation we've just had for an hour about having millions of dollars as a college player? Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Kenny Pickett, for his first four years of his career, he was involved in pay-for-play, but they wanted to pay-for-play to get him to go somewhere else. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Got him! One play. Yeah, we'll, we'll pay you to go away. Um, he's fine. He's Worked out okay. And then uh, Jermaine Johnson, Florida State defensive end, going 26 to the Jets. So Our favorite ACC, ACC lifer. Yeah. Jermaine Johnson, another ACC lifer. 
I mean, honestly, kind of low for him. I, I think I saw Bud Elliott had a bet on him to be like a potential top 10 pick. Um, yeah. Really yeah. good pass rusher. Had a really dominant season for Florida State. So uh, now you play for the Jets. Good luck. Um, yeah. Second round, the only pick we had from the ACC was Andrew Booth. The corner from Clemson goes 42nd to the Vikings. Uh, third round, we had Joshua Zudu, uh, the guard from North Carolina to the Giants, and then Jelani Woods. He got Woods. picked before Sam Howell, which is pretty funny. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, Jelani Woods, tight end out of Virginia, goes to the Colts at 73. Fourth round, you had Damari Mathis, corner out of Pittsburgh, goes to the Broncos, and Zach Tom, the I hope I pronounced that right, uh, guard out of Wake Forest, goes to the Packers. Sure, fine. I hope you. I hope I pronounce that right. It's a very subtly funny joke. Two um, <laughs> <laughs> the most com- most common names of all time. <laughs> he has two first names, Mike. Come on. Yeah, it's the Ricky uh, Bobby of Wake pr- Forest. Hope, hope I pronounce that correctly. <laughs> uh, that's that was very funny. Fifth round, Sam Howell to the Washington Commanders. Um, wow. Okay, pause. Pause. Lauren, Lauren Brownlow tweeted something like, Sam Howell's got to be kicking himself seeing some of his linemen go off the board before he does. Oh, no I thought it was really, really Goodness. funny. Really funny. Goodness. Um, Those dudes are the reason he might have fell. Like, <laughs> Right? No kidding. Like, I wonder how much of a benefit it would have been for Sam Howell to just sit out. Which I don't. Yeah. I never advocate for that. I love to see the guys play. Like I don't advocate for sitting out like a whole seat. Sit out a bowl game, whatever. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Sit out an entire season. I'm like, man. Come on, there was a there was a discussion about that with Trevor Lawrence. You'll remember, Joey. Mm-hmm. Um, after his second year at Clemson, they were like, you know, and they won the title. You know, won the Natty mm-hmm. on his first year, second year. Um, they were in the conversation, and everybody's like, okay, he's already achieved all he can achieve. He's an All American, whatever. Like, what's the benefit? Mm-hmm. And I wonder what truly like what the benefit was for Sam Howell. Like, he comes back, has none of his weapons come back, right? Like, mm-hmm. we talked about that at length. Um, basically had Ty Chandler transfer in, who also got picked, by the way. We'll talk about that later. Um, but, like, what was the benefit for Sam Howell? Because now he's sitting in the fifth round after a – he had a good statistical season, but Carolina did not have a very good year. Yeah. I. It's funny because the way that I talk about Sam Howell, it's like – I honestly don't really know that I see a whole lot of difference from the way that I talk about, like, Malik Willis. Right. Like both are guys that have a lot of physical tools. They got big arms. They can move all this stuff. They're going to need some time to marinate in a proper NFL system. It's the same evaluation. <laughs> and and yeah. Sam Howell is the sixth guy off the board, but somehow the sixth quarterback was in the fifth round. If that tells you anything about how the NFL feels about quarterbacks in this draft. I think Sam Howell has the greatest chance. And it's kind of ironic because I'm talking about another you know, uh, ex ACC or in Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And I know he transferred, bounced around, whatever, but like he fell to the third round, right? To the Seahawks, but it was a perfect situation for him. because he was able to play kind of halfway through his first year. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if Sam Howell is in a position to do the same with Carson Wentz as injury issues and just overall caliber of play with Carson Wentz. Like could Sam Howell come in like well enough to jump him? It's possible. And mm-hmm. I think Wentz is a good veteran to learn from too, by the way. Like similar type game to 
to Sam Howell. Wentz is bigger, but like they, they they throw well on the run. They you know decent arm, athletic enough out of the pocket, like similar games. So that might be a pretty good situation. I caution myself saying that because I don't think anybody going to the franchise in DC is necessarily in the best possible situation for themselves. But I think for Howell in particular, it's a decent starting point. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Who knows? I I don't know. Nobody ever really knows with quarterbacks in the NFL. It's a total crapshoot. The only thing that I I have questions about for you, Mike, is uh, how do you feel about your Patriots taking Bailey Zappi before Sam Howell was off the board? I mean, I mean, let me let me ask follow up. Let me ask a follow up. Who would be more likely to be rumored as like a guy to push? Mac Jones. Would it be Sam Howell or would it be Bailey Zappi? Probably It'd Sam. Be Howell, right? Yeah. I mean, so I think that's part of it too. It's like when Zappi was picked, everybody We're trying to draft a like, backup quarterback here specifically. Like this right. Not a guy who's actually gonna take over the starting job. We want a guy that's like good enough to be a backup and not really a threat. Oh, I know. Let's draft a guy from Western Kentucky. That'll that'll do the trick. Anyways, 25 picks later, the Vikings take Ty Chandler, and then four picks later, the Giants take Marcus McKeithen, both uh, out of North Carolina. Marcus McKeithen, again, a guard, because apparently North Carolina offensive linemen are desired in this draft. Um, Mike, this is... I don't know why. About the most interesting little tidbit I could come up with was this was the first instance of three straight uh, ACC players from the same school coming off the board. Mm Mm-hmm. The other instance is right after that. At 177, the Lions take James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech. At 189, the Panthers take Amari Barno out of Virginia Tech, the linebacker. And then at 209, the Bills take Luke Tenuta, the offensive tackle, out of Virginia Tech. Um, so, all I mean, all good players. I don't have thoughts We're on surprised. how these fifth and sixth round picks are like really fit with their current teams. Yeah, so I wasn't surprised about James Mitchell taking a while to come off the boards towards ACL and he mm-hmm. wasn't really able to do a pro day or, you know, didn't run a 40 at the pro day, didn't participate in the combine. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, or else I think he could have been like a third round pick like Dalton Keene was a few sure. years ago because Mitchell, I think, was a better tight end than Dalton Keene. Well, that's um, where that's where Jelani Woods went too, out of Virginia, third round exactly. to, to the Colts. And, exactly. I mean, I, I think Same he's range. a bit of a physical freak, but Mitchell has a lot of physical gifts too. Right. Right. So basically, you know, he comes back to school to try and improve his draft stock, and then tears his ACL. Mm. That sucks, right? Yep. Barno, Barno taking until pick one eighty nine, so he's raw as a defensive end, but he was like best available. Like it didn't matter like what. What uh, what channel you put on? Whether it was ESPN with Kuiper or Daniel Jeremiah with NFL Network, they had Amari Barno as their best available player, starting in, like the middle of the third round. Hmm. <laughs> and it was like he is still on the board, still on the board, still on the board. But mm-hmm. he's a bit raw; didn't have a great year. Um, but he's really athletic, so I, I thought teams might take a chance on him a little bit before, like a quarter of the way through round six, <laughs> but. 
confession time. I did not sit around all weekend and watch the draft on TV. Um, but <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd imagine that Amari Barno was the uh, top pick as soon as Nakobe Dean went off the board. Finally, in like what was it, the end of the second round? Oh my God, the yeah. jokes were flying about Nakobe Dean. It's like, did he kill somebody's grandmother? <laughs> like, why is he still? available apparently if you have like a degenerative shoulder you should like at least get that looked at if not fixed before the whole draft process because they gonna find out mike yeah yeah which looked fine to me like played in the natty looked damn good that dude could friggin run and tackle and predict plays and like i don't know what more you want from your linebackers but apparently not him i don't know i guess if yeah, I mean, assuming he stays healthy, mm-hmm. God bless everybody else who didn't pick him because there's going to be some hell to pay, I think. I mean, I would have taken him yeah. in a heartbeat. I think the only back-to-back ACC players we had the entire draft, if I'm not mistaken, 214, uh, this is a com- like a compensation pick in the sixth round. The Chargers take Jasir Taylor, Jasir, Jasir Taylor out of uh, Wake Forest. He's a defensive back. And then at 215, one pick later, the Cardinals take Lasita Smith, guard out of Virginia Tech. Mike, I'm confident, confident that I pronounced that wrong. Uh, no, you pronounced it right. Ah, uh, yeah. Lasita Smith. There we That's go. correct. Lasita Smith. There um, we go. Yeah, and great spot for him to land, too, because he's pretty good as like a uh, – he's a pretty solid, like, mobile offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cardinals run a lot of spread stuff, similar to a college game. I think Lasita Smith landed at a perfect spot. Mm-hmm. He could play there. I mean, he could seriously play. Like he could, he could play for the Cardinals. Yep. Like it's a legitimately like very good pick. I think for them. Yep. Seventh round, two twenty eight to the Packers goes Tariq Carpenter, uh, listed as a linebacker. He, I mean, he mostly played safety in college, but this is also a guy who's a safety who I think twice had lingering injuries throughout the season because he hit somebody so hard. Um like literally just throws himself into somebody and injures himself doing it. And then just like is injured for a lot of the season. But anyways, oh, yeah. uh, he'll fit as a linebacker in green Bay. We'll see if he hangs around or not. Uh, two thirty one to the bills goes Balen Specter, uh, linebacker rush end out of Clemson. Um, that's a name. I feel like I heard about more years ago than recently. Um, pretty mm-hmm. well, a recruit who didn't maybe do a ton, a ton at Clemson. Three picks later, Jonathan Ford, defensive tackle out of Miami to the Packers at 234, and then at 255, rounding it out, the Bears, Honor, the Bears, dub Bears, taking Trenton Gill, the punter out of NC State. Um, so again, that's your that's your 21 draft picks out of the NFL. Um, hopefully, we didn't misrepresent any of those names or uh, skill levels, but I'm confident we did. So hey. Skill, skill levels or skill positions. <laughs> I don't know. It's I don't, late, know I don't know. <laughs> Draft talk Hopefully is not really our uh, our wheelhouse here on this here show, yeah. Mike. <laughs> yeah. Breaking down. I can't wait to break down tape for next year's draft. You know, start now. Season starts now. Can't wait. Can't wait. God. Uh, what a weird existence. I gotta say, I don't know. Like again, without getting into too many specifics and I, I don't know that there were I think the one maybe real major snub it seems like is Justin Ross uh-huh. goes completely undrafted and not signed yet as far as I'm aware yeah um, and, and I've seen a couple of things going back and forth on Twitter where people are using that to say 
Clemson should not have even cleared him to play if a guy who was doing what he did as a freshman, and uh, you know, there's maybe some validity to the point. What he did as a freshman, if if that guy and what he's capable of is just completely undrafted, there's no way that he's medically capable uh, of handling the NFL. And maybe there's something to that, but that's also, uh, I don't know, that's a, a kind of a harsh judgment in my mind. Yeah, especially when he came back and played well last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, didn't really have great quarterback play, but was fine. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of not a lot of receivers that were picked ahead of him have his stat line. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, from a pure talent standpoint, it's not really disputable. From a health standpoint, I mean, that's a whole other thing, which we just saw how Kobe Dean slid, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I have question. I do have questions about. I mean, he had his neck fused, Justin uh, Ross. I was going to say, like, Wait. not sure that I really want to jump in and start criticizing NFL teams for not drafting a guy who's had, like, spinal fusion surgery as, like, a yeah. 20-year-old, like... Yeah. Like, I'm sure I'm sure they're different because of, like, where the discs were and everything, but he basically had the Tiger Woods procedure, and he's 20, mm-hmm. or was 20. So I'm a little hesitant. I mean, when Dabo Swinney comes out of nowhere, like in the spring, and he's like, oh, by the way, like Justin Ross has a degenerative, like defect from birth. We're really lucky we caught this. It's like, what? He's like partially lucky to be alive right now, basically. Right. Like, made it seem like the next hit he takes could be the last breath he takes, mm-hmm. you know, when, when he's kind of made. And, and I'm not really exaggerating. Like, Dabo was saying, like, He's very, very lucky that they found this. Mm-hmm. And then when an NFL team passes on him, I, I don't really sit here all that surprised. Yep. When those are the types of things that are coming out of Dabo Swinney's mouth. I don't think he was exaggerating. I'm not accusing Dabo of screwing him with this or anything. I just think it was like a pretty serious thing that happened to Justin Ross. Mm-hmm. No, it is. It is. And that's, again, it's incredibly unfortunate in terms of you know, a guy who's that talented and had that many accolades and was that good as a freshman and, and all of that to then potentially just have no shot at a professional career in football. That sucks. Yeah. So, you know, you feel for him. You hope that still he can kind of parlay this into a maybe again, we're sitting here recording on Sunday night. We haven't seen him get signed anywhere. Maybe he does. Maybe he does have a professional career. Um, if not, maybe he can become a coach somewhere. Maybe he can, you know, still use this tool as a tool for, uh, you know, success in life, but right. we'll have to see. I don't know. Doesn't look great, but not, not at the moment. Not looking great. Not looking great as it once was. Yeah. But best, best wishes to Justin Ross and hopefully that goes well. Yeah. Um, I, I am struggling to think of any other like real clear snubs in this draft, Mike, from the ACC. Is there anybody else coming to your mind? Nick Patty. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Almost. Almost. Uh, no. Um, that's a good question. It's like, who's who's the quarterback that 
I saw a couple of people talking about like, oh yeah, they should totally try drafting him. It's like, no, you should not. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. No, I think uh, I think anybody else that you know would have been draft worthy is uh, is all coming back next year. We got a lot of returning quarterbacks in the conference. We um, do. I remember when uh, remember when Nathan Peterman was drafted two years ago, <laughs> and. Our immediate reaction was like, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, <laughs> that was a waste of a pick. Total throwaway. Yeah, if you go look at uh, yards per game in the ACC passing, um, Brennan Armstrong, Tyler Van Dyke, Devin Leary, Malik Cunningham, DJ Uyunglele, Jordan Travis, Garrett Schrader, like all these guys are all back. All back. So there's that. So maybe it'll be a a, decent year. Should be a decent year for quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and a a few of these guys, I mean, certainly I would think Armstrong, Leary, Cunningham, uh, maybe Uyunglele, like all those guys are probably draft eligible and going to the draft next year. So we'll get a, a, we'll get a better look at those guys at least here. And yeah, Uyunglele, he's going to the draft, not the NFL draft. He's going to be drafted (laughs) in war or something before he's drafted in the NFL the way he played last year. Almost, DJ. Almost. Got all the tools. It's like, what, an AK-47? <laughs> like, he, he might be coming back and using the transfer portal after Kate Klubnik takes his job in, <laughs> in August. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. DJ, you might have a position change to, like, retirement. Yeah. Well, hopefully Big Dave didn't hear you say that. He is our guy, after yeah. all. Yeah, he might kill me and my entire family or something. So, <laughs> Mike, we're an hour and sixteen minutes into this podcast. Uh, that's that's all I've got. Yeah, me too. <laughs> all right, let's work on getting out of here. Uh, we're going to come back. We we are actually going to record here in another. Uh, you know, uh, we'll record again very very soon. We know exactly what we're doing and uh, who we're going to be talking about. We we do. Uh, we have something scheduled and. In- when we release it is going to be different from when we record it. So I, I saw you playing some gymnastics there. I was gonna say I'm not I'm not making a joke. Like we we are we have a well defined plan. Very soon, like in the next 24 hours, even we're recording. I was gonna we're say just... that, and then it felt like a dangerous promise to make. But anyways, we're we're gonna do that. Well, so I think the last time we recorded, we told you that the next episode would be another. Uh, tell us about your team series. Uh, it clearly was not. However, the next time that you hear us after this, it will 100% definitely be the Tell Us About Your Team series. So we've got another one coming up. Keep your podcast feeds tuned here. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI. Together, we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns, your uh, offers to help with the Tell Us About Your Team series. Send it all to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. And if you're wondering what school it is, it rhymes with Smoston Ballage. <laughs> I've now found out what the first question we're going to ask on that uh, on that episode is going to be. Something about Smoston Ballage. Good job, Mike. Um, anyways, we'll do that at, at some point in the very near future. Uh, Mike, where else can they find <laughs> us on the social medias? Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all the podcasts there. Please do. Please do. Um, even the one about Smoston Ballage. Smoston um, Ballage. 
we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, all those good places. Go find us there and uh, hit us on Instagram. It, I, you know, it's still our account. I promise. We, you know, it's. Anyways, we'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, there's weird. There's probably like weird crypto posts on there by now. Right? <laughs> crypto hack. Mike, this has been fun. Let's come back very soon and talk about Smoston Bollage. Boston. <laughs> Boston Bollage. Boston Bollage. Sounds good. This is a mess. Okay. All right. Well, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again very soon. And until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.